Hi, my name is Rob Scott from UC Today, bringing you all the news and conversation from the unified communications and collaboration space. So today I'm joined by Theda Lake and we're going to be discussing the benefits of getting collaboration compliance right and also what happens when you get it wrong. So welcome everybody. Hey Rob. Hi Rob, great to be here. Well, thanks for joining me. Um, before we get stuck into this very interesting conversation, because we're going to talk about the, the kind of the highs and lows of collaboration compliance today. But uh, before we get started, how about we just do a quick round of introductions? Uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, what you do for Theta Lake. Um, Devin, would you like to go first? Perfect. I'm happy to do that. My name's Devin Redmond. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Theta Lake. I've uh, been in the security and compliance space for a couple of decades, and really our mission here at Theta Lake as a uh, relatively new company uh, is to do security and compliance for modern collaboration platforms, uh, really enable organizations to fully utilize all of the great capabilities that allow them to share information and collaborate using tools such as Microsoft Teams, Cisco WebEx, Zoom, Slack, RingCentral, uh, but do that in a way that makes sure that the organizations that sponsor it uh, can maintain compliance all the way from archiving through to supervision, as well as the highest standards of security when they do that. Fantastic. Thanks, Devin. And Mark? Thanks, Rob. I'm Mark Gilman. I'm the general counsel and VP of compliance here at Data Lake. I'm a litigator by training. I spent about seven years working in financial services, both on the legal and compliance sides. Uh, at Data Lake, I wear a couple different hats. So I manage our day-to-day -day legal operations, our internal compliance initiatives, so our, our SOC 2 audits and such. Uh, and then I also engage with regulators. So we are in contact with kind of 35 regulators across four or five different jurisdictions. I manage those relationships so that we can kind of understand what the regulators are thinking uh, and give them some perspective from, you know, an emerging startup. That's great. Thanks, Mark. So uh, to kick on with the conversation, I suppose it's been what, 12 now, maybe 18 months of kind of warp speed digital transformation for a lot of small and large enterprises, uh, many of them deploying you know, technologies like I just mentioned, like Zoom and Teams and WebEx and others. So my first question, Devin, goes to you. Um, you know, were CIOs consistent with their, uh, you know, their collaboration compliance strategies and have they been getting it right, I suppose? Yeah, it's a great question and, and a really challenging environment. So I definitely feel for the CIO community to have to kind of upend a lot of your infrastructure and move to hybrid or completely remote work environments and shift from you know, the way you manage your infrastructure to doing that uh, in a collaboration first workplace. I would say by and large, uh, everybody got off to a rocky start in terms of their compliance strategy, in terms of how they uh, thought about how they would put security and things like archiving and supervision uh, around the communications and collaboration platforms. Uh, and, and that was a necessary fact because I think the, the name of the game for certainly the first nine months uh, of everybody being remote was keep information flowing, keep people communicating, keep them working. And that necessarily meant that um, some of these things ran faster uh, in terms of the deployment of say, um, you know, Zoom or Microsoft Teams or, or WebEx or RingCentral in those environments. Uh, they just ran faster in the rollouts than uh, organizations had time to think about how they were gonna meet their compliance requirements around communication, retention, archiving, record keeping, and supervision. 
if you flash forward to what we've seen this year in particular, it's very much a reconciliation of that. I think everybody recognized that hey, we've opened up the floodgates uh, and the aperture on all of this information flowing through these channels, uh, all of our employees communicating through them. Uh, now we need to start to come back and, and reconcile how we are going to properly ensure that we meet the same uh, compliance standards that we do for other electronic communications in that environment. Um, what we've seen this year is a pretty rapid um, investment in programs to kind of do exactly that, to get a sense of how would I capture it? What components of the communications am I going to capture? How am I going to set up universal security controls around the environment? Uh, I'd say at the same time, our platform partners and um, you know, we have very deep relationships with all the vendors I've mentioned, plus you know, dozens more uh, on that front, uh, have done a great job of both uh, increasing the capabilities of their own platforms uh, to make sure that they have high integrity and that there's safety built into the platform, but also have created multiple sets of APIs that we've been able to work with partner um, around integrating and then get certified uh, that allow us to do that next level of dealing with compliance and security that, that needs to happen in the communications themselves when people are interacting and when they're sharing data. And so that that I would say has taken big leaps forward this year, but we're still in the early days of that phase of the dust has settled. Everybody has recognized that they are going to be collaboration first workplaces, that there is always going to be some level of hybrid, but that um, regardless of how hybrid or how centralized you are, using UC tools is the future of the workplace. Uh, and being able to then take that next step and say, okay, now that we know that's the case, let's pick our stack of collaboration tools and then let's make sure we equally have a stack of security and compliance to layer around that. And I would say that is a central focus for at least the customers we work with, but a trend that we also see in the, in the market more broadly. That's great. Thanks for that, Devin. And what's it been like from your perspective, Mark? Yeah, I would definitely concur with uh, what Devin said in terms of the kind of engagement level of CIOs and the kind of related concerns. I think from you know my perspective, I've seen much more kind of alignment uh, and uh, kind of collaboration between the CIOs and the other control functions at firms. So whether that's compliance or risk, et cetera, um, this kind of the, the, the pandemic really introduced these uh, security, privacy, compliance risks to organizations. And I think they've responded by kind of you know, banding together and trying to figure out the right kind of controls that they can put in place to help address a lot of those concerns. So I think the kind of CIO role is starting to emerge as kind of one of the kind of related compliance or control functions, if you will, uh, just given the kind of breadth of risk out there uh, and, and the focus from regulators and others. That's really interesting. The way you've described that is it is like, uh, you know, it's been a, almost like a compliance bomb landed on businesses really over the past 12 months. And it's, you know, it's just exploded, hasn't it? So much to think about. So, you know, Mark, I'd just like to stay with you on this one. But what lessons have we learned about collaboration deployments uh, from a governance perspective? I mean, do governing bodies need to kind of relook at the rules surrounding collaboration compliance? 
Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And I think that the regulators are engaged and whether we're talking about kind of financial services regulators or increasingly kind of uh, global privacy regulators have also taken a pretty keen interest uh, in, in video conferencing and the related risks. I think from a financial services perspective, we've seen regulators like FINRA add you know, a guidance around how organizations should use uh, collaboration tools in a set of COVID-19 FAQs that they released uh, kind of um, during the during the height of the pandemic. Um, the FCA in the UK has also issued some guidance in one of their market watch uh, kind of announcements, um, flagging collaboration risk as key as well. So I think that the regulators are focused on, you know, uh, the emerging nature of these conversations, kind of acknowledging that the risk traditionally has been seen as what is the written communication within these various modes, but are recognizing that, you know, the visual risks inside of collaboration tools, the audio risks, as well as, you know, things like file transfers and some of the, you know, reactions and such can pose just as meaningful a risk and uh, frankly have very serious kind of customer protection, um, you know, issues related to them as do the kind of uh, written communications. Um, kind of on that kind of parallel track, um, regulators like the ICO in the UK and OPC in Canada, FTC in the US, they've all issued some guidance around kind of secure use of video collaboration platforms as well. So I think that there's a bit of a kind of convergence here uh, in terms of, you know, kind of investor protection, consumer protection, uh, coupled with the more technical uh, elements of the platforms that kind of contribute probably to that that CIO becoming uh, kind of a de facto control function in that sense, just given, you know, there are a lot of risks and now they're really magnified because, you know, collaboration adoptions expanded during the pandemic. And as Devin mentioned, hybrid work is really here to stay. So these these deployments, these issues are not going to get any easier. Um, and, you know, every organization kind of needs to be mindful of them. That's interesting. Um, I mean, in terms of the, you know, the, the governing bodies, I mean, have they, have they got it right, though? Or is it a bit of a moving target, to, to say the least, in terms of, you know, these new policies to cover off, you know, collaboration compliance? I would say it's they've acknowledged the risks in the platforms. I think just the nature of regulatory change, particularly in financial services, tends to move at a relatively slow pace. Um, but I think things like the kind of signals from FINRA's FAQs and uh, and the FCA, and certainly, you know, during the course of my conversations with with regulators, they all acknowledge that these risks are real. I think it will take uh, a bit more time for the regulations themselves to actually change. And, and it's likely to be kind of incremental in nature. So seeing more FAQs, perhaps seeing yeah. um, maybe a horizontal review of collaboration platforms as like an exam uh, topic and that kind of thing. So I think they will get there. It's just going to take some more time. I think the privacy regulators, on the other hand, are much more likely, frankly, to be more aggressive and to uh, perhaps, you know, engage in kind of investigations and fines um, because of the primacy of things like GDPR, other, other privacy regulations that have a current and kind of direct impact on the way that people use collaboration tools. That's great. Thanks for explaining it. Devin, would you like to comment? Yeah, you know, I and I think it's a 
as a technology vendor and as uh, somebody who's worked across multiple uh, companies and, and startups building technology for compliance, uh, this is always an, an interesting topic and area because there is the reality of the regulators and the governing bodies, which is usually uh, regulate based on what has happened in, in the real world, right? So as organizations, as firms use more collaboration tools and they have more things happening on them, more interactions with customers, more opportunities for the good, you know, the bad and the ugly in those environments where you've got uh, potential collusion or malfeasance, you've got uh, potential to mislead consumers. As those scenarios start to play out and as the reality of collaboration first communication uh, really continues to settle in, that will provide the uh, you know the the playback for those regulators to say okay here's what's happening here's how we need to be more specific in these certain areas so it'll always kind of trail that in in, in many regards um, the interesting thing if you kind of think about the compounding trend is that most organizations who are trying to do business and make sure that they stay safe will adhere to the letter of the law so if the letter of the law is trailing um, what they're actually doing in that environment. You know, they will stay in that safe gray area of here's what we do. Here's exactly what we're uh, said that we're meant to do or have to do. Uh, and we will adhere to that until that changes in that environment. And so that creates a little bit of the drag. Uh, but the reality is the, the regulators have gotten smart enough to understand the rate of change doesn't support that model. And so they often will have, and, and you'll see this in the FAQs that Mark referenced in a lot of the guidance they give, is kind of the common sense, which is, hey, look, we know that you're you know, not probably just using email anymore, which has tons of very clear rules around it. Uh, if you are doing business and have business communications over another medium, we expect you to take the same due care. Now, what that means in detail is a little bit more open to interpretation but the reality is, you know, it's the acknowledgement of, hey, we know this is coming and we know that you're going to need to uh, do the same things here, probably in different ways because they have different capabilities, right? Whether it's a screen share, show something on a camera or chat inside of a meeting or it's in chat and I upload a file and it happens to be a video file. Uh, all of those things become new dimensions, but the underlying principles and guidance remain, which is if you are conducting business over a communication channel and sharing information, then that needs to have proper record keeping, supervision, uh, and frankly, security around what you do with all of that data to enforce privacy controls and protect data uh, inside of that. And so that all kind of lines up. Uh, the, the fun part as a, uh, a startup and a technology company is that you have to look at all of that and then also say, well, where's this all going to end up and build for where it's going to end up, build for what that future state is going to be, which, um, you know, honestly is the fun part of the journey is thinking through, okay, how do you build a platform that is ready for what will certainly happen? And you can see the trend um, already. You can see the guidance already. And if you've been in the space long enough and you kind of have the benefit of hindsight, you can kind of forecast where that will be and, and build controls and infrastructure around that, which is what we get to do, which I, I thoroughly enjoy. So, well, it's a nice segue to my next question, I suppose, because I'd, I'd like to talk about that kind of uh, non-compliance issues, those big fines. I mean, many companies are, are nervous about non-compliance, especially um, you know, yeah. big fines, and I mean, just a, a huge loss in productivity 
and uh, and the cost to change all these internal processes and, and that kind of thing. So I'm just keen to just kind of get some top advice from you, if possible, Devin, on what you know. What would you say to organisations looking to implement or relook at their collaboration compliance strategy? Yeah, I, I would first. I would say don't don't wait. Um, you know, I think one of the things that we've seen is that firms that have been successful, and you know, we've had uh, pretty explosive growth. Uh, over the last little bit, as you mentioned, as that compliance bomb dropped on everybody as they moved to collaboration, uh, there was a rapid movement to try and do something uh, to deal with that. And we were squarely in the middle of that because we have a ready-made solution for this space and had been building for the future pre-pandemic anyway. Uh, and then as the pandemic hit, that, that really put us in the forefront. And the firms that we've seen be successful uh, have done a couple of key things. First and foremost, they've immediately looked at uh, modernizing their compliance stack and recognizing that just because they have things and have built things um, you know, over time around the way they did communicate doesn't mean that they can apply that forward as a straight line. They need to reevaluate just like you know, they're migrating from their use of Exchange and, and Outlook as a primary communication tool to adding Teams in the mix or um, you know, non-Microsoft technologies like Zoom and, and WebEx, et cetera. They need to do the same thing for how they think about their compliance stack and their security capabilities to map to that new environment. The ones who have been successful have done that uh, very thoughtfully, uh, you know, as quickly as possible, but still very thoughtfully in terms of turning on features and capabilities and evaluating things in phases to say, okay, well, what's the closest to something that I've already been doing, right? Whether that's a, a good example in chat, where it is taking modern chat and trying to make sure uh, that gets good connectivity with legacy archive infrastructure, but in a modern way to accommodate for things like files being uploaded or shared via SharePoint links in something like Microsoft Teams or dealing with emojis, reactions, GIFs, all of the different things that you can see inside of that having a modern way to capture that and make sure that you can keep it in context, but also share it with your legacy email archive infrastructure is, is one example that we've seen organizations be very successful with us uh, in their ability to kind of adapt uh, and, and layer on more modernization to their existing, but at the same time in parallel, uh, the ones that we've seen be the most successful have really embraced that collaboration first and said things like, we are maybe not ready for full archiving of video for all of our users and getting that deployed and rolled out, but certainly we need to focus on our most risky or regulated users and begin trialing and piloting that, whether those regulated users are financial advisors who interact with customers, where you have to make sure you are protecting the consumer in that conversation and adhering to your record keeping requirements. Uh, trialing capabilities on WebEx, on Zoom, on even things like Ring Central Video, where there is interaction with the consumer, with partners, and they are doing full archiving, full supervision of the visual content, uh, and really prototyping for a future state that they all acknowledge uh, will be here at some point. And, and those firms have been extremely successful in getting through those and then starting their deployments uh, you know, in, in more broad scale, you know, from thousands of users to tens of thousands of users. Uh, and, and frankly, in those conversations with them, it's not just the 
compliance capabilities and, and being ready for the future state. It's the competitive advantage of being able to be certain and sure that you can turn on those features and aggressively go after your competitors who may be more hesitant and cautious about what they do. And if you are the firm, whether you're in wealth or banking, that can proactively say, hey, we are going video first because our customers want to connect with us. We will be able to increase the number of connections we have with customers. We will be able to reduce our T&E. We will be able to create hybrid connection points where maybe we actually connect with them more than we did in the past, but more of it is virtual and we have fewer in-person meetings, but we still do those. But it is all a organized approach to that uh, gives them a tremendous competitive advantage and and the approach of being able to go after and engage the customers of their competitors who do not have those same tools because they are not confident in their ability to adhere to compliance requirements they are not as rapid in their rollout of the features and functionalities they may have handicapped or um, denatured some of the features inside of their zoom deployment or their webex deployment or teams because they are worried about compliance controls and so they fall behind in those communications and, and that ability to reach their their customers their partners etc so well, so lots of think, lots to think about there. I mean, certainly, I, I like the differentiation piece. I think that, you know you're looking at it from the other side, really, aren't you? There. So, Mark, would you like to add anything? I think the thing I would quickly add, just that kind of struck me uh, throughout this kind of journey through the pandemic, is the kind of corresponding interest in a lot of the security and privacy concerns around these communication platforms as well. So this, you know, kind of acknowledgement, especially by kind of more forward thinking organizations that, you know, there are risks inside of the screen shares and whiteboards and webcams. So focusing on things like, hey, did someone share a sensitive cloud-based app like a Zoho or a QuickBooks that could contain a lot of sensitive data that we wouldn't want uh, them sharing? there's a lot of kind of concerns around privacy and uh, you know protecting that personal information, but also thinking about platforms that can help in the event that you have an investigation or a data subject request and you have to go and find every conversation that Mark's been a part of or what have you. So there's a lot of things that we think about uh, kind of in in the in the product cycle that help. Uh, with those kind of security and privacy concerns as well, because, you know, as I mentioned, I think one of the things that surprised me really was, you know, lots of regulated firms thinking really hard about, you know, the kind of nature of communications and how they align to the regulations, but also having a practical uh, kind of security hat on as well to say, well, we know that beyond the, the kind of regulatory environment that there are a lot of other things that we need to be mindful of and a lot of new risks that these platforms open up. And so we need to kind of think about those things as well. And, and, and we've been doing that at Data Lake too. That's great. Thanks for that. And I suppose my final question really is, is Devin, how, how do we package all this up? I mean, how much of this is technical services, your software solution and, and, and kind of almost compliance consultancy? You know, how easy do you, do you make the kind of process for your customers? Yeah, and you know, I, I think this is a really important area to touch on. Uh, from our perspective, our technology is very easy to implement. 
the ability to turn it on uh, with the pre-built integrations, which creates a very seamless experience, right? So when you turn us on for uh, Zoom or Cisco or Microsoft or Ring Central or Slack or Fuse, uh, you kind of name it, um, that is a certified API integration. It is seamless from the perspective of it doesn't touch devices or end users. There's nothing that that uh, population that an organization has to deal with. It's completely transparent to them. Similarly, because it is API-based, we require no network modifications or no planning around that. So the implementation of the technology itself is very straightforward and can be done literally in minutes, not, not even hours in that environment. Uh, the reality for organizations is really having a little bit more forethought in implementing things like detection policies, right? What risks are you worried about in those communications? Uh, identifying what workflows you wanna have. So if it is regulated users, who is reviewing their content? What is the archive retention policy? If you are connecting with third-party archive infrastructure, which is very common uh, uh, deployment type for us or integration for us, uh, you know, which archives do you want it to go to? Are we both acting as an archive of record for rich media and large files that could be MP4 in nature? Um, and are we sending content to a third-party archive? Are we sending it to multiple archives simultaneously uh, when we do that? Those types of questions uh, can be a little bit more involved. You can still do those relatively quickly, and, and usually the organizations we've seen have the most success kind of think of it that way, which is we want to do a POC where we will turn these on quickly and do that and you know, call it a few hour session of, of walking through and tuning and training and then let that run for a little bit. Uh, identify uh, things that you do care more about, things you care less about, uh, workflows that you might want that are different in that environment, uh, and then be able to implement that as you move from that POC, which you can execute on quickly, to live deployment environments. And then there are always things that we do that are ongoing tuning around that, uh, the uh, creation of custom detections, which is something that we can do inside of the product. So there's actually a product feature that lets you create those custom detections, but then we will often help with our own deep learning and AI uh, environment to train those and do that. And, and you know, I will, I will say as a shout out, uh, Andrew on our team who runs our field technical services and was integral um, building out the, the technical capabilities at Zoom prior to joining us, does a masterful job with his team working with our customers to really help them kind of plan um, their POC and get them up and running effectively and then execute through the criteria set in the POC to help them engineer towards their success when they roll out uh, at scale. Uh, and scale for us means deployments that are uh, hundreds of thousands of users uh, of uh, you know video recordings, chat content, uh, being captured and archived through our system, analyzed for risk, and then even shared out with things like third-party archives as well. So, well, so lots, I mean, lots involved, but lots of great advice. So thank you so much for that. Um, and, and what's the best way for anyone looking to find out more, uh, Devin, uh, how, how can they connect with Theta Lake? Yeah, the best place to, to go is thetalake.com. And there are lots of great content there, but I, I always think uh, the, the show versus the tell component is the best. So you can request a demo uh, on that site and we're happy to connect and, and show you our technology and, and hope you will be as an impressed and excited about it as our customers are today. So, Fantastic. So hey, 
Devlin and Mark, it's been super speaking to you today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much. Thanks, Rob. And that's it from us. If you've enjoyed today's session, please subscribe to UC Today News and give this video a quick share on social. It's always appreciated. And if you're a UC fan and want to be part of the conversation, you can join us on social using the UC News hashtag on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook. And our social links are always in the description. So I'm Rob Scott from UC Today. Thanks for watching.